Welcome to Unprofessional and Unprepared, our lighthearted weekly conversation about sports, life, fatherhood, and whatever else comes up with no script and no preparation. I'm your host, Jason Gerber, and this week we discuss tribe spring training and Browns free agency, the continuing madness of the tournament, and the return of the Beeb. I am joined again tonight by two of the best ever. Tommy No Bourbon Burke is here. That's correct. No bourbon tonight. Good to be here, Gerbs. Thank you. Smiling Chuck Rambaldo is here as well. Chucky, how are you? I'm good. Uh, apparently, I should have some bourbon then if Tommy's no bourbon. So, <laughs> Chucky, why don't we start with you tonight, man? Great. Last weekend, most of us turned our clocks forward for daylight savings, even though springing forward and falling back every year is an inherently stupid idea. <laughs> However, a Connecticut, apparently anarchist family, refused to spring forward because they were already an hour ahead. Scott and Tally Richards stay on daylight savings time all year and never fall back like the rest of us. Like the clock in my old Saturn, the Richards spend half the year an hour ahead of everyone else. While the rest of us are on standard time, the Richards adjust their scheduling to account for being an hour later than all of their friends and coworkers. Scientists actually recommend the opposite. Get rid of daylight savings and keep standard time because we get better sleep so, Chuck, should we keep the current silly system, stick to just standard, or go daylight savings all year round? Whatever one you said says I get better sleep with a one-year-old, that's the <laughs> one I want. And I'd be more than happy. Uh, I I could fall asleep if it's still light out. So whatever one that is, that's the one I want. Which one guarantees me better sleep? Did you say the name was Tally? T-A-L-I. I'm assuming it's Tally. Could be Tally. Either way, Either it's way. awful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's standard time is when we get better sleep. So maybe that's going to be the change and we're going to go to standard time all year round. I'm all for that. For now, let's just go ahead and move into our first segment and cover some Cleveland sports in our at-home discussion. And we'll start with the Cleveland Indian spring training. We've got about 10 days left, I think, in spring training before opening day. So things are starting to get figured out down there in Arizona. Ahmed Rosario continues his work in center field. He had three errors in one game last week, <laughs> which prompted a member of the Indian staff to be quoted in an article as saying, it's a challenge to move from shortstop to center field at the major league level in the middle of spring training, <laughs> which I think is probably the biggest <laughs> understatement I've ever heard. And in the past, we've seen lots of infielders move to the outfield on the corners and either left or right why are the indians moving this guy to the most important of the outfield positions right up the middle and center field because they have no one else to play there um or they believe can play there plus he's hitting well right i think he's hitting almost like 330 something for spring training they need bats i guess defense could be a question mark if he's hitting but that's like a high school little league philosophy the kid's got a stick but he can't play throw him in the outfield uh, all right uh <laughs> I guess it's just because they have no real option there. Tommy, yesterday or earlier today, they optioned uh, Mercado to the minors. And this was the guy that we have had penciled in, I think, for three weeks as a center fielder <laughs> and part of the strength we saw of the team, which was its defense. So at this point, with a shortstop working out in center field and the guy we thought was going to be the center fielder being sent to the minors, what the hell is the plan in center field? <laughs> It doesn't sound like they know that, that there's actually a plan in place whatsoever. They, they're they kind of screwing around with the lineup in a way that I, I did not see coming. I would think that Mercado 
maybe he's struggling in spring training, but to actually send him down and not just hope that it's a, a situation where, you know, get to the season and kind of see how it goes. If he's still struggling, fine, I get it. To come up with an idea that, you know, I mean, I, I get it that the guy's hitting, um, but if he's having, you know, three errors in a game, does his offense make up for the amount of runs being given up when you <laughs> actually have three errors in a game? I don't think that it does. So, I, you know, while he, he may be hitting very well, um, and that's great, I, I, I don't want to watch a guy that looks completely lost in center field. It's kind of an important position. We, we always talk about guys up the middle. Well, that's right down the damn middle. And uh, he's <laughs> pretty right in the name. Yeah, he's pretty, <laughs> pretty important out there. So I haven't really seen much of what Bradley Zimmer's been doing. I don't know if he's been hitting at all. For all I know, we may have cut him and sent him somewhere. I'm not, I'm not really sure. I'm not aware. I, I don't know. I don't know what they're doing. And, and do we not really have any other prospects for center, center field? Yeah, I, I'm really surprised that we're at a point where we're moving a shortstop into center field in the last two weeks of spring training. And it suddenly seems like there's a realistic chance that guy is going to start the deal with Mercado, I guess, was that he's just been terrible at the plate. Like he's less than 200 with his batting average in spring training. He was bad last year too. And they want to move him into the minors to get him some more at bats and kind of calm him down a little bit and get his confidence back up. And then I assume bring him up. He has to still be the plan going forward. To think that the plan in the interim is a shortstop. This poor guy's never played an inning of the outfield, as far as I know, and he might be our opening day center fielder. <laughs> and so, I'm guessing his confidence isn't building uh, as he makes all of these errors. Yeah. Uh, I'm guessing at this point he's pretty much shitting his pants out there. I just hope somebody reminds him to bring a ball out to center field at the start of each inning to warm up. He'll <laughs> <laughs> yeah. have somebody um, assigned to remind him, I think. <laughs> Let's, uh, let's move off of our woes in center field and move to some more talk about the bullpen because that's definitely an area where they're starting, I think, to figure out who's going where. And Francona was quoted earlier in the week as saying he thinks the bullpen is going to be sneaky good. So, Chuck, sneaky good or sneaky terrible? Whitgren, Classe, and Karinchek as our setup and closers for games this season. I'm hoping, fingers crossed here, for sneaky good, uh, <laughs> young, lively arms. Have they named a closer? They, they haven't really named a closer yet. I don't think yet. they've named a closer yet, no. But it's those three guys they've said are going to be the end-of-the-game guys. Right. So it and, might be up to somebody to actually win that closing job out of, I would say it's probably their Class A or Karen Chick. Right. Try to get. And, and my, I think I read something like a week or two ago, and I might be completely wrong because, again, sleep-deprived, let's move to standard time. Is there a new rule that uh, relief pitchers have to face three batters this year? Yeah, I believe so. That might be a thing. Uh, yeah. So I if that is a thing, yeah. If that is a thing, then I, I still think it takes about a month to shake out like that. Those relief guys, right? Because yeah. we've for the last ten plus years, it's been all about matchup. You get lefty, righty, and and now you kind of have to avoid that, I guess. So if you're facing three guys, I, I hope they're sneaky good. I think they will be sneaky good. It's always been the pitching staff, at least the last few years, the the strength of this team, where sneaky guys kind of come out of nowhere. So I'm hoping uh, that happens and they establish themselves in the bullpen and I'm pleasantly surprised or they can move the shortstop who's playing center field to middle relief <laughs> yeah. give him a shot there why not <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> can you throw a curveball <laughs> nobody's expecting you really to field from there so <laughs> if there's a pop-up get out of the way let the infielders take it so Burke sneaking onto the roster or sneaking off somewhere else ghosts Perez Shaw in the bullpen well Perez will be around He's just one of those guys. I mean, even though he's like a 
you know, 68 years old. He, I don't know with this new rule. And I, and I think that rule is in place now. It, you know, th- I know they talked about some rules and trying them out in the minors, yeah. but I, I thought that the, the rule to try to do away with, you know, fit managers taking their 15 minute walk out to the mound, like three batters in a row. So that, you know, is extended. Listen, listen to Burke down 30 pounds, fat shaming major <laughs> league baseball managers. Well, I'm, still, I'm still probably fatter than most of them. I'm, that's not the way I wanted that to come out, you know, come across, but you know, obviously it was, it's a rule to uh, speed up the game a bit. You know, I don't know about Perez always coming out and facing a, you know, minimum of three batters, but um, I, I'm guessing that, he, you know, obviously the le- being a lefty um, he's got a good chance of sticking around. I don't know a whole lot about ghosts. I, Former outfielder yeah. throws a hundred miles an hour. Okay. That, that was the guy. Okay. So we talked about yeah. him last week. Obviously that's exciting. Um, do we know where it's going? Uh, is he hitting the strike zone? Hopefully, but it sounds uh, that sounds like a pretty cool option. Um, maybe he ends up uh, in a closer role. I don't know if Karinchek really is the closer we're all hoping for him to be. You know, he wears the ninety nine, and you want him to be the you know wild thing coming out at yeah. the end to kind of close out games. You know, I mean, he showed towards the end of the year last year. Let's just hope he doesn't look like he did uh, in his final performances last year because that was awful. Um, so hopefully, he does pretty well and maybe this maybe this kid goes uh could be our fireballer that comes out and gives us somebody you know similar to a chapman or something but so does anybody think brian shaw is making the team i couldn't believe it when i saw that they actually signed him but i don't know i mean we have so many unknowns with this bullpen that maybe has he been doing decent in spring training or I, don't know. I really don't know. Tom, that's not something we would know on this show. <laughs> okay. I, I I think he might make the roster just because they're going to go with a four-man rotation for the first month because they have five off days or something in April. Mm, right. So maybe they hang on to a, a middle or longer reliever, and so maybe he makes that team for a month, and then he gets his uh, reassignment papers in May. I've almost felt like McKenzie was eventually going to be kind of our long reliever and not necessarily a starter. And I like that. I like that kid. I think he's going to be really good. You know, he's such a slender guy. You rack up a ton of innings with him. I worry he's had injuries in the past. I could see where maybe McKenzie's one who's moved to the bullpen, especially in times where you're talking, uh, you know, four man rotation, have him more in long relief or middle relief. Yeah, I think you'll see some of that. So it's McKenzie and Logan Allen are guys, they may move in and out of the bullpen and into the rotation depending on what the schedule is that week, like Chuck was saying, or depending on how they're doing or or who they're facing that week. So well, I think Quantrill's gonna, another one, too, that you yeah, would want to that's throw the in there. Too, yeah. yeah, Quantrill. So those three guys probably are, are moving back and forth a little bit. Uh, and I think if that's the case, there probably isn't room – for Shaw. I think Ghost probably ends up in the minors. Somehow Perez pitches his like 29th straight Major League Baseball season, I think. <laughs> but let's move on from spring training to talk about the Browns offseason, which hit its stride last week. Uh, with free agency, the Browns added some defensive backs, defensive linemen, linebackers, and re-signed Hollywood Higgins. The biggest moves, obviously, were the defensive backs. At safety, they picked up John Johnson the third, who's from a family who gave up on original names two generations ago. <laughs> John John three is a really highly rated safety. Pro Football Focus had his rating at 85.3, and I understand these analytic rating they're not always the most accurate way to, to look at guys, but in comparison to that 85.3, our friend uh, Anderson Sandejo had a 42.6. Oh, that's like John, 
that's like half the amount. It is, yeah. This guy is twice as good as Sandeo. <laughs> the other defensive back signing was another former Ram, Troy Hill, who is described as a solid cover corner. And in that same type of rating, actually rates out as good or maybe a little bit better in some areas than Denzel Ward. Do these two guys, together with, with what's already there, make the secondary the strength of the Browns defense next season? I think we might have to wait a little bit more for free agency and then the draft to see what they do with the defensive line uh, or the edge rushing. But I was unbelievably excited to see that they addressed major concerns, almost like they listened to our Browns wrap-up pod about what the team needed. And everything I've seen about both of those dudes from the Rams, like the safety is basically the quarterback. He's going to quarterback the defense. That's what he did for the Rams. He called out coverages. He moved people around. Uh, supposedly uh, extremely intelligent football IQ, which sounds a lot better than Anderson Sandejos or Anderson Dejos, whatever his fucking name is, 42 grade, right? And Alejandro, I think. Alejandro yeah. Sandejo. Even, even better. Uh, and then Troy Hill, uh, apparently a great like slot cover corner so yep. uh, address mm-hmm. two needs not knowing because we were kind of banking on the fact that maybe you know Delphic comes back and Greedy Williams oh, these guys stay healthy but if they don't you have two starters before we even know going into you know to camp that these guys are going to be solid NFL defensive secondary football players which the Browns desperately needed what do you think tom see while those those needs were glaring um i'm still going to say that we're going to go ahead and take credit we knew what they needed and the browns listened and went out and got it (laughs) i think it is going to take some time uh for delpit to still come back from that injury what i've heard is that you know he's not necessarily going to be ready right away it's an achilles injury right yeah so i i think this is great that they've they've come out they've gotten some really good quality guys for the positions that they needed. And then hopefully those guys are healthy and, you know, you mix them in and, you know, maybe all of a sudden we have a deep secondary, which would be outstanding, obviously. And we still have the draft to work with and free agency isn't necessarily over or if, you know, we get some trades in there or something, but I don't know that uh, the secondary will, will be the strength because I I think they're going to really push for some talent in the draft on the D line. And anything you, you can match up that can free up Miles a little bit will still be the strength. We let Joby go because he was deteriorating year after year. So we need to figure out the middle of the line. I'm interested to see what they do for that other side. They, I think they definitely have their eyes on somebody that's going to you know make a splash on the other side to free up Miles. So I still think the D-line and then, of course, the D-line. You know, if they play really well, the secondary is going to look that much better too. So, and vice versa, right? I mean, yeah, great coverage is going to is going to keep a quarterback holding the ball longer for yes. guys like Garrett to get to him. Uh, I think what I like the most about those signings, the contracts are not outrageous. No, the three year deal and a four year deal, I think, or a, or a four and a two maybe, mm-hmm. and none of them are for crazy numbers. And so it's nice to know that hey, they're addressing a need, but they're doing it in a way that is not going to hamstring them a year from now or two years from now when some of these guys that we know are going to get big contracts are going to need to get paid. Uh, I like that Johnson said that he turned down more money from other places because he actually wanted to come to Cleveland and play, which you almost never hear. Uh, All around good moves, but we're going to have to adjust to a reality without Sandejo on the Browns. (laughs) It's going to be rough. Tom, what are you going to miss the most if Sandejo is no longer with us? I don't mean um, he's going to die. He'll he'll still be alive. I just, <laughs> no uh, longer I a member of the Cleveland Browns franchise yeah. as a player. I don't know. Maybe a coach. Who knows? I don't know. I figured you'd just put him down like a horse that broke its leg. <laughs>
So I don't know. I guess if he's still alive, great. Good for him. <laughs> what I'm going to miss, I guess, you know, it, it was a quality segment on the pod every week to be able to. I know the comedy is really where it's going to hurt <laughs> yeah, us. Yeah, it really does. Uh, we're going to have to find out who the other misfit is on this team yeah. that we can pinpoint every week. So, you know, I'm going to miss that. It's not going to stop me from wearing my Sundayo t-shirt. I, I still wear it proudly, and I love that shirt. Apparently, Joe Woods has yet to run what he envisions as this Browns defense with three safeties. Right. I- I'm upset that I won't get to see Sundayo excel in a three-safety set and be able to freely run about and not have to worry so much about covering deep. If there's two other guys behind them, that's what I'll miss. We're going to have to do something on this show to deal with the loss of Sandejo because you just can't handle losing good comedy like that. For now, fellas, we're going to move away from our at-home segment and take our first break and then uh, hit the road to the final four next. Great franchise opportunities are few and far between. Rare is the chance to buy into a great franchise and the possibility of creating wealth while doing something you love. We here at GameStop are ready to offer you the unique chance to buy into one of our franchises. I know what you are thinking. GameStop's business model is a lot like Blockbuster and Hollywood Video, franchises that disappeared a long time ago. And you're right. Pretty much everything we offer, except the uncomfortable stares from our teenaged sales associates, can be purchased on the internet. But our stock price has gone up more than 1,300% in the last two months. So we must be doing something right. There is no way that increase could be based on several hundred thousand Reddit users manipulating the stock price to create huge losses for hedge funds. Don't miss this once-in-a-lifetime chance to get into the brick-and-mortar shopping game with your very own franchise. You, too, can game the system by joining the GameStop family. Welcome back, fellas, for our second segment, and we'll go on the road to the Final Four and start talking some NCAA men's college basketball. Even for March Madness, this has been a crazy few days. In the first weekend of the tournament, we lost a number one, two number twos, two number threes, and three number fours. Why is this happening? Uh, there's just so much more parity in college ball. It, it, kids that you've never heard of, you get into the tournament and you realize, I mean, they can, they can ball with anybody. And, it, and, you know, whatever small school, these schools find find guys that can play. They don't care. They don't, they're not afraid to go out against Michigans and, you know, the Ohio States of the world. They don't care. They get out there and they play their game. And they, you know, Oral Roberts goes out and wins again the other night. They got solid players. I mean, you know, there's just a lot of parody in college ball. And especially when you have all the one and dones and everything, you know, a lot of these schools, if you notice, they have older rosters and they're able to play with these, you know, these guys that are the one and dones because they've played together for such a long time and they, they gel. And so, you know, they can, they can play because they've been together with four or five starters have actually played for a few years together. That helps them a lot against these teams with the, you know, the high school studs that come out and again they're they're there for one year to move on to the nba you know those guys don't have enough time to actually develop and have a good solid core i think the oral roberts example is a good one because i had no idea going into the tournament that the leading scorer in the country was a guy mm-hmm. who plays for oral roberts and yeah. I think especially in the early rounds of a tournament like this, you have one dominant scorer like that on your team, and you can knock off some good teams. And that Mm -hmm. was Steph Curry with Davidson. Uh, That was Wally Zerbiak when he was at Miami. He took him to the Sweet 16 just because you couldn't stop him. It's amazing that it happened against a two seed and it happened against a team like Ohio State. But I mean, I think that kind of shows you how a, a team like Oral Roberts gets there. 
What the heck is the Big Ten doing? <laughs> I don't know, right? So <laughs> I wasn't super into college basketball this year until I watched Ohio State, Michigan. And that's when I found out, oh my gosh, Ohio State, Michigan, Illinois, Purdue, Iowa, Maryland. Like this is the strongest conference in the country for basketball. Hey, I'm going to pick everybody to go pretty far. And then, <laughs> you know, like, I don't think there's an excuse, right? I think I heard one of the announcers say, maybe they just beat up on each other all season. They get to the tournaments. Like, I, I don't know. Uh, it just looked like, um, especially Ohio State, was somewhat woefully unprepared. From what I saw, if you have good guards, probably older, like Tommy was saying, older guards, and you play a very stout defense, you can give any team in this tournament problems. It doesn't matter how good they are, how many four-star recruits they have, how many freshman All-Americans they have. Uh, I don't know what happened to the Big Ten, but <laughs> they really got amped, and I'm glad oh. I could get that in early. You're welcome. Nice. You're welcome. Fan. Fantastic. The truth. Thanks, Chuck. Do you feel better about Ohio State losing after Oral Roberts beats Florida and a team whose biggest star is a hundred-year-old nun took down Illinois? Yes, I I, I felt way better. <laughs> I was celebrating and dancing around in my underpants. No, I don't feel any better about it. But you know, Oral Roberts is a good team. I had my doubts about Ohio State. Every other team in the Big Ten has size, and Ohio State kept going with these lineups that you know we don't we don't have anybody really that's above six eight that can play. So they struggled against anybody with size, and then they they didn't have Kyle Young, who's one of those guys. Um, that you know he's your hustle guy he's your guy that just kind of gets everybody going and gets everybody playing better and at times he actually could could score uh, pretty well too so um he, he was just a solid guy and a guy that's inside that can that's you know the toughest guy on your team and when you're missing that it was hard for them to really to really battle with these guys and and that the little point guard and I'm forgetting his name but I mean he they had no answer for him whatsoever yeah um he was just a stud so I mean yeah I mean they just played a really good game and it, it was just it's just unfortunate but I I think maybe there's some truth to the Big Ten teams kind of beating up on each other all year because I, I tell you I've never seen these Big Ten teams you know and I watched a lot of games this year they all look flat to me they seem very sluggish I was surprised by the way Illinois especially looked the other night they look lost you know I watched a lot of games with Illinois and they were running up and down and just tearing you apart that's not the team I saw the the night Loyola Chicago is a very good team you know I just I feel like a lot of these Big Ten teams have just looked very sluggish and flat that goes to what Chucky was just saying that I think that Loyola Chicago team is the number one ranked defensive team mm -hmm. in the country and so there you go they, they're able to shut down a team you think should be a, a lot better than them Chucky we've got three number ones left Gonzaga Baylor and Michigan are all three of those making it to the final four? Oh, you're asking the wrong guy this year. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> man. I, I oh, think, we're going to get to it, Chuck. Don't you, you know, worry. If I do if I do it really quickly, or I think Gonzaga watching them really for a full game, uh, super athletic and very deep. It seems like their second unit could have made the tournament as like a five seed. Baylor, same way, extremely athletic. Michigan, who uh, carries the torch here for the Big Ten, I thought they would lose legitimately to LSU because their best players hurt. Uh, but if any of those out of the three, I think Michigan does not make it. I think Baylor's got a great shot, and I don't see anybody stopping Gonzaga on that side of the bracket. I'd like to get some of your predictions for a couple of the really unexpected matchups in the Sweet 16. First one is Arkansas versus Oral Roberts. But before you guess, let me give you some information to try to aid you in your decision. Arkansas, of its student body, 
the average high school GPA is 3.7, which tells me that not a single one of us could have gotten into Arkansas <laughs> when we were in high school. <laughs> this is out of 10? Yeah. <laughs> Famous alums for Arkansas include Jerry Jones, Cliff Lee, and John Daly. Oral Roberts is one of 23 colleges in Tulsa, Oklahoma. How are there 23 colleges in Tulsa, Oklahoma? That seems like a lot. Famous alums include Kathy Lee Gifford, Joel Olstein, and Ryan Tedder, who is in the group One Republic. So Chucky, who you got, Arkansas or Oral Roberts? I would say Arkansas, though. At some point, uh, the fairy dust kind of blows off into the wind, and you hope a, a better, more athletic um, team with that's played better competition year-round. I'm, I'm pushing for Arkansas here. Because it's been a while since they had a real run, right? Jesus, were you yeah. in grade school the last time they were there? Maybe. I think we were in high school, that, oh, team, yeah. that, that team that made the run. Yeah. Tommy, how about you? Arkansas, Oral Roberts. Oral Roberts has Joel Olstein. Um, I, I can't imagine you lose when you have him on your side, but you know, he can put up a prayer in that mega church of his and the other team's screwed. But no, I'm going to go with Arkansas because I, I do think they're too athletic. Like I said, Oral Roberts, very good team. Um, uh, and, and they're going to give them a game, but I, I just think Arkansas is too deep. Loyola and Oregon state, Loyola, Chicago on campus, females outnumber males two to one hey. famous alum include George Hallis and Bob Newhart, Oregon state has a nuclear reactor on its campus. Alums include Dick Fosbury. This Great is name. the guy, I mean, yeah, it's an guy awesome who name. is widely credited. <laughs> credited Fos with there. <laughs> widely credited with revolutionizing the high jump. He's the Fosbury flop guy. He's the one who goes over the high jump bar backwards instead of like oh. rolling over it the way they used to. Derek Anderson, also an alum of you might have heard of, unfortunately. Stacy Allison, the first woman to ever climb Mount Everest. So, Loyola or Oregon State, Chucky? Is there a 100-plus-year-old nun on the Oregon State campus <laughs> who sits close to that nuclear reactor and may have some sort of mystical power that Sister Jean does not? I did not find anything about that in my research today. All right. Uh, I, I, I'm going to actually take Loyola Chicago. I don't think they're sneaking up on anybody anymore, uh, especially with the run they did. Defensively, they're great. And when you, I don't know if anybody saw the prayer she had before the game where it kind of called out certain stats. I would say it was, uh, it was more like a pep talk or a it, uh, game yeah, plan. It was, it was pretty <laughs> great. Uh, I, I think uh, you got to love her as a national story, but if you're a player, don't you hate that she's getting all the press basically about this yeah. program? Who's a, they're a really good basketball team, yeah. but hey, let's throw this 100 year old nun uh, on every shot you possibly can. But I still think they, I think they beat uh, Oregon State, hopefully, handily. How about you, Tommy? First of all, the nun is shown almost as much as Bobby Brister's uh, mother back in the oh, day with wow. the Pittsburgh Steelers. <laughs> That's going yeah. way back. <laughs> uh, if you recall, the mom was on every play, and every time yeah. he got hit, she was like grabbing her head, and oh, it was just yeah. But she's not as cool as a 101 year old nun. I am. I, I love Bob Newhart. <laughs> it's another reason to pull for Loyola Chicago. Um, well, well, I'm sorry. What was the other fact? There was another one that stood out, and well, apparently didn't stand out enough because I'm already forgetting it. But what was the other uh, thing for Loyola Chicago? Uh, females outnumber males on campus. Oh, right. One. Um, so I'm going back to school. Um, and going to get some kind of degree. I don't really even care, actually. But I'm, I'm <laughs> ho hopefully the GPA requirements are not as strong as what it was for Arkansas, and I maybe have a chance to get in. So are you going with Loyola? I'm gonna, I am also going to go with Loyola. Um, oh, you wanted me to actually make a prediction? I thought you just wanted me yeah. to ramble on for an hour. 
No, um, no, no, no. Actually, I, I'm joking. I know you wanted me to. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with Loyola Chicago. Also, I just like Chuck said, the defense. I, I think that defense is just solid, and they got good quality guys who can put the ball in the hole. So I do like them to win that. I, you know, I'm surprised Oregon State has looked really good. I did not think that they would beat Oklahoma State, but I, I felt like they really took it to them. You know, I, I don't even think the game was as close as it looked. Team that hurts, Tom. That I know. Well, I mean, that that's what you get for we're going to get to state to win it all. We're going to get to it. We're going to get to it. <laughs> <laughs> but I also don't think it's fair that Oregon State's got that nuclear reactor, and they're probably all going to be like superheroes here. So yeah. it's not <laughs> right. fair. All right. So you guys are sticking with the Jesuit Brotherhood from your uh, from your college days and going with Loyola. All right. Let's move on from the tournament to the real tournament, which is the Cat Tank Tournament Challenge. And our current rankings up to the minute, we've got two guys tied in first place. Miller and Tursic are both tied. And that could get interesting because Miller has Gonzaga winning the whole thing and Tursic has Baylor. So there's a chance that it could get split there. You got a bunch of guys in the middle who are not going to win, but are probably safe from being the worst. And then you have a cat fight at the bottom of the bracket yeah. between Chuck and me. When the day started, Chuck was cat tank safe. He was in eighth place. I was in ninth. But I think that Creighton game mm-hmm. flipped it on us. And so now I'm in eighth place. You're in ninth. It's looking like it's going to be you and me, buddy. I thought it was really cute all weekend long as the brackets exploded and people started trading text messages about how they thought they were going to get the cat tank. You overlooked the fact that I've won this thing twice in a row. Nobody is as good at being terrible as I am in picking a bracket. So I want to help you guys out because you can't just be the worst. It takes a little bit of effort to be the worst. And so I want to give you some of my tips that seem to have worked out well for me over the years to win the title of the worst. So number one, without any basis in fact, you try to pick a low ranked team that's going to go to the Sweet 16, but make sure you do it twice. This year, I picked Georgetown and Utah State. Neither of them made it out of the first round. (laughs) Make sure you don't know anything about the teams that may actually pull an upset. For instance, I didn't know anything about Loyola being such a great defensive team. I had no idea Oral Roberts had the number one scorer in the country. So I didn't pick either of them. Lastly, make a bold prediction on the podcast without even knowing where the team you picked is ranked. So last week, because I had watched one really good basketball game, I decided Oklahoma State State's going to make this run. Yeah. And Denko informed me during the show that they'd gotten a four seed. And because I'm nothing but honest and my integrity is so important with me, I had to stick with Oklahoma State. And I leave the first weekend of the tournament without my championship team even in it anymore. Three, those are three tips for you on how to be the worst. Berkey, what do you hate the most about your bracket right now? Of course, I hate that I had Ohio State going very far, which I'm not sure why I picked that because I wasn't even that confident in them. I should have gone another route. I mean, the, the whole, what region is that? My, my whole lower portion of the bracket, and I'm not even sure which route, it's the, the region that Ohio State was in. It's like that whole lower bracket is just, it's not even <laughs> worth looking at anymore. It's so stupid. I keep looking at it and I'm like, I, I don't really feel like I have very many teams left to you know, that are still in this thing. But luckily, everyone's kind of running into that same issue. Um, Some more than others, Tommy. That's true. That's true. Uh, <laughs> but hey, you were set on, on Oklahoma State's athleticism. And I got to agree. I mean, they do have athletes on the team. Just not basketball players. I guess not ones that, you know, can win it all. But Yeah. Chucky, what do you hate the most? Uh, well, if I'm following 
your guidelines on how to become the worst, I think I did pretty good. You actually did. I looked at your bracket. <laughs> so I had two teams. I think I had San Diego State and yep. uh, UCSB going to the Sweet 16. Check. Uh, I didn't do, <laughs> did no research so much like you. I didn't have uh, Oral Roberts or even, uh, and I maybe because, you know, alumni friends, Ohio, I didn't have Ohio University winning. Uh, but what upsets me the most is I think I might have four teams who are still alive total in this bracket. <laughs> <laughs> Gonzaga, Baylor, Arkansas, and maybe Florida State. I think that that's legitimately it. I've somewhat come to grips that more than likely uh, in late summer, I will be wearing a very ill-fitting cat tank top. <laughs> to be the man, you got to beat the man. That's right. Yes. And I'm, right now, I'm still the man. <laughs> the cat tank still runs through Ludington, Michigan. But uh, fellas, let's end our discussion about the cat tank tournament there and take our final break before we head off the field. Unprofessional and Unprepared is brought to you by this proud sponsor. It's that time of year again, that time when so many suffer the embarrassment, sadness, and insecurity that come from busted March Madness brackets. Are you sick of settling for the middle of the pack, or even worse, living in the cellar of your bracket pool? Tired of the jokes, finger-pointing, and general humiliation in front of your friends, co-workers, and sometimes even family members who have probably never watched a college basketball game? Ready to get your mojo back? Then it's time for ChampionsGuaranteed.com. Here at Champions Guaranteed, we want to make your March Madness exciting and rewarding. Just sign up and submit a bracket for a small fee, and you will automatically be entered into one of our bracket pools and guaranteed to win. All our pools have brackets specially chosen by our designated loser and expert mush, Jason Gerber. Gerber has spent decades watching college basketball and has been filling out brackets since he was a teenager in pools with co-workers, friends, and even his wife and kids. Despite the overwhelming odds, Gerber has somehow found a way to never once win a tournament pool. Results from Champions Guaranteed are not luck and you can play with the confidence that our systems have a tried-and-true method and an unbroken track record of futility. So bust out of the March Madness sadness and get ready to show everyone you know what a bracket champion looks like. When you bet against Gerber, you win. Sign up at championsguaranteed.com today. Welcome back, fellas. Let's hit our final segment and go off the field. And I'm not sure if you guys heard... But the Podcast Academy has released the nominees list for the inaugural Awards for Excellence in Audio, or the Ambies. Now, the real big winners in the nomination were Dirty Diana, Left Right Game, and Wind of Change. All three got multiple nods. Have you guys heard of any of those podcasts before? Uh, I have heard of Left Right Center as a drinking game, yes. not as a <laughs> podcast. And uh, I don't I think know. that's what the podcast is. Uh, I have also heard of Winds of Change, but wasn't that like a terrible 80s ballad? Yeah, that was like a scorpions song where the guy was, somebody? yeah, the scorpions <laughs> oh, where the dude man. was whistling. Yes. Yeah, the yeah. whistling. Yeah. yeah. You guys are going to want to check that out. So Dirty Diana is actually a Demi Moore vehicle. It's fictional Ooh. and it's described as an escape from her carefully curated life and dying marriage. Diana secretly runs an erotic website where women reveal their intimate sexual fantasies. Anybody interested in listening to this podcast while I do chores around the house? No, but maybe while I do my job. <laughs> okay, left-right game 
is an idealistic journalist. This is fiction too. Tries to make a name for herself by following a group of paranormal explorers obsessed with a seemingly harmless pastime known as the left right game. The journey takes her into a supernatural world that she and other members of the expedition cannot handle or survive. And now you're going to want to check out Wind of Change. I actually listened to this. Uh, it's like seven or eight episodes. I listened to the entire thing. And it is about the Scorpion song, Wind of Change. And it is about that time in the 90s when it came out. You remember that it was right around the time that the Berlin Wall came down yeah. and when the Soviet Union was starting to fall apart. And Wind of Change is this reporter researching a story that he has heard from former CIA agents that the CIA actually wrote that song for the Scorpions as a way to help knock down the Soviet Union. The Scorpions helped take down the Soviet Union? Yeah. Oh, that's a big deal. That That's a big wow. deal, in, uh, especially in like Eastern Europe. And that song, it was like the song of that wow. revolution. Um, Did they write so, in the whistling? Well, you're gonna have to listen to the podcast, Tom. I don't want to spoil it. You're not, you're not like fucking with us. This is legit. Hundred percent real. Wow, I was just taking, a, just taking a shot with scorpions. I didn't know I'd be right over the target. You did well. I would check that out. It's actually that's a pretty good one to listen to while you're working or when you're you're doing something else. I actually enjoyed Wind of Change. I have not spent any time listening to the others. One of the critical things to note, fellas, is obviously unprofessional and unprepared was not nominated for an Ambi this year. I'm still in shock that I just didn't hear from them personally. Well, here's the problem. Apparently you have to submit something to them. Oh, and oh. Yeah, I, I never did that. So I, it's on me. I thought the problem would be you mentioned excellence in audio. So <laughs> no. <laughs> no, that's just offensive. I'm going to get on this next year and make sure I, I submit for us, but I want to go through some of the categories that they have and see if you guys think it's going to be a good fit. First category is best wellness and relationship podcast. Not a good fit unless no, some of the commercials fit. fit. <laughs> I think we should say ours is fictional because it seems like they like the fictional ones. Okay. That's actually a pretty good idea, Burke. Yeah. That's one of the better ones you've ever had. We did talk in the very first episode about divorce guy thanksgiving so i think that we can talk wellness and relationships on our show how about best sports podcast with one host and two guests i don't well, see I why we would not secure yeah that nomination <laughs> about a best society and culture podcast we talk about a lot of stuff yeah, we, we, talk do. About music. we do we talk yes, about movies. Like three. i don't know anything else about culture <laughs> and i don't want to talk about society because that sounds too much like politics how about best male weight loss and body image podcast tommy that's why they should reach out yeah, yeah. that's why they reach yeah. out there are probably five thousand podcasts for women about like weight loss and like learning to love their bodies and none for men and here we do it we talk about it every yeah. week now um i really think that's a good one how about best personal growth and spirituality is mm. phil gonna do a prayer each podcast yeah that's a good point yeah maybe maybe we need to have him do that so we can get into that category okay well those are some of them do we have to show personal growth? Yeah, oh. Somebody does. Well, actually, we just, I think we just got to tell people how they can personally grow. We don't actually have to get Oh, it. perfect. I'm more than willing to give other people advice. As you can guess, some of those weren't real, but I'll leave it to you to figure out which of the, which of the two were ones that I made up. Men's but, uh, weight loss. <laughs> nope, Tom, that one's real. Moving away from next year's Ambies. Last Friday, Justin Bieber's new album, Justice, came out. The Biebs stat line is he's had seven number one songs. He has had 87 Hot 100 songs in a metric called equivalent sales, which is some sort of combination of actual sales and streaming. 
he is the highest selling artist born in 1990 or after. I read an article about his new album where he was described as a wife guy. Does anybody have any idea what that means? He's married. Yes. I know all right, so married. are we all wife guys? Uh, I guess we're all yes. wife guys. All right, good deal. The album includes uh, 16 tracks. It also includes portions of speeches from Martin Luther King, which is nice and has a, an interesting effect. But I think the Beebs might be shooting a little bit outside of his range. <laughs> but Maybe Tom, he's not the one to do that. Well, it's not that he's not the one, but he's, maybe he's just not quite weighty enough to be using Martin Luther King speeches in his music. Burke, one of the songs is titled Off My Face. What is that one about? <laughs> um, well, first of all, it just doesn't sound like he is a wife guy because uh, he should water on his face. But <laughs> And try to keep it clean. Come on. <laughs> Off my face. Uh, I, I really have no idea. He's uh, He likes to write a lot of songs about how, he, you know, he's gotten famous. He's had everything like that lonely song or whatever, where he, you know, you know, I basically I've had I have everything. But, you know, life is still rough. So maybe it's more of like a get out of my face, um, you know, like a paparazzi type. Off my face is basically a story about how much he loves his wife um, and he's sober now. So she's what makes him high. I listened, the title, but right. I, I listened to this album all day long to prepare for this. Chuck, there's a, there's a song called Ghost where one of the lines is, if I can't be close to you, I would settle for the ghost of you. Should songs sound like that much of a threat? <laughs> not, not from Justin Bieber. Um, yeah, really? Yeah, no, uh, I, I think what, what you kind of said is uh, apparently like he is super duper in love with his wife. And yeah. this album really reflects that growth. I haven't listened to the whole thing. Almost I, every yeah, song is yeah, about it. Yeah. Yeah. So um, apparently this is Beeb's breakout moment where he grows up a little uh, when it comes to love and, and being married. But no, he, that sounds like a terrible lyric. I'm, I'm, I think I'm he's not... jumping the shark with this album. <laughs> <laughs> well, why do you say that yeah. Tom? Uh, you just you, you can't just focus on your wife through a whole album you got to get people you know related to you and you know wanting to feel different things not just everyone loving uh the baldwin chick okay <laughs> maybe he's a wife guy because he can write an entire album about his wife whereas um you know i talked mine out of celebrating valentine's day um i think that's equally as important and uh, very well done. So Tommy, let's let's move into discussion of your weight loss. I believe that you have an apology that you need to make to all of our <laughs> listeners. <laughs> yes, I do. Uh, I am a fraud coming out and admitting it. Uh, I've actually only lost five pounds. <laughs> no, I did so you some miscalculated somewhere, I did right? something with my app where I, I, I somehow messed up my starting weight. So I thought I was at like 34 and I'm actually at like 31 right now. 31 is still a ton of weight man yeah I'll still so take that it. yeah absolutely take that to the bank it's been great to hear about it every week and it's i enjoy following up with you during the week and thought we had a really interesting conversation about how you've made enough gains now that you're finally back in the pool and resuming your individual synchronized swimming career that's a really big stride for you do you want to you want to talk about that at all <laughs> No, I actually don't. But I just I want to definitely apologize for the fake news. Uh, I, I hate to be put in that category with, you know, the mainstream media lying oh. about those four pounds, three pounds. Uh, I feel horrible about it. And uh, maybe you should be more uh, sympathetic and compassionate to mainstream media when they just make a mistake. Now that you've seen how simple it is, to, you know, just make a mistake. Yeah, I'm not going to do that, but hey, that's, that's cool. <laughs> Chucky, any words of encouragement or wisdom for Tommy before we close things out? 
Well, I have a quick question before I get there. Tommy, when you weigh yourself, are you just, do you go in full on birthday suit here or do you have on mm-hmm. boxer? Bir- yeah. So no, I'm nude yeah. because you know what? I, I realized that I, I actually did a comparison and I couldn't believe just like wearing a t-shirt and shorts. How it literally was like a two to two and a half pounds, sometimes yeah. two pound difference. I was like, I'm feel fat because my clothes are so heavy. <laughs> like, like I, I have what to, fabric I, are you? Are that's your what I mean. Like, like I, there's so much fabric. I, like I need so much fabric to cover my body that it weighs like three pounds. Like this is awful. I'm pretty sure it was on the uh, house party and Tommy was talking and he said that you and the fam went to Buffalo Wild Wings yes. and the fam drove home and Tommy hoofed it. I did. Uh, yeah. And you said it was about two miles. And I was like, man, fucking hell, that's awesome. He's super committed. That, And you said like, your knees didn't hurt as bad or, you know, and so I was like, well, the, this bit, is... the back is my biggest yeah, problem. Your back, yeah, right. it wasn't so, as bad. Yeah, it wasn't as bad. So to me, I was like, man, that's like super progress. And I say it every week, like how proud I am of you, but it's still stuff like that. You're a month in. Most people might be hitting a wall or you're over a month in and you're like, I'm just, I'm just going to walk these two plus miles home from <laughs> Buffalo Wild Wings. So I'm super proud of you, man. It's awesome. Thanks, brother. Appreciate it. Good. Deal. I also just wanted to watch the second half of the Buckeyes game by myself. <laughs> <laughs> Keep up the real weight loss. Yeah. Um, and the fake loss, whatever it takes, yeah, whatever. Um, whatever it takes. do whatever you need to do. But boys, we are out of time and I am out of questions. Have a great week and let's do this again real soon. Sounds sure. great, boys. Yeah. What was the name of the song about the face? Face to off the face, off, off, off my face. I thought Gerby would have went with. I I assume Biebs is trying to get on the soundtrack for Face Off Two with that. Oh, like I theme song. I didn't even make that connection. Yeah. Damn it. He's in an action <laughs> song. <laughs>Yeah, Chucky, as I was coming up with my tips, I was looking at your bracket. I'm like, holy shit, he did do some of these I things. Did the same <laughs> why did he why did he pick San Diego yeah. State to go to the Sweet uh, 16? That's a terrible idea. <laughs> I don't know why either. I thought because I think I read like a quick little blurb on like CBS Sports Radio, yeah. you know, like one of the yeah, and it that, said like, hey, yeah. these guys are yeah, underseated yeah. and West Virginia and Houston are overseated. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, okay, these guys are gonna make a run. I think I had them going to like the fucking elite eight or something. Like what I think I had West Virginia in the elite eight too, man. And and then I saw Huggins on TV. Oh and I was like, oh, these these guys are gonna win the title. This guy's incredible. <laughs> He's got like the slick back mullet. Yeah. Oh, and like God, the, yeah, the like I didn't goatee. realize it was a goatee. I thought it was a yeah. mustache because he had his mask. Right, the mask, like, oh yeah. my gosh, he's got he, the big West Virginia like yeah. gold necklace. Oh yeah. man, he looked like like that facial hair and hair. He looked like the guy who trained the Three Musketeers. It's like, but yeah, I, what was your number three on the list of how to be the worst? Since I know for sure I had two of them. Uh, no, that was going with Oklahoma State uh, <laughs> without yeah. knowing without knowing that they had gotten a four seed. <laughs> And he literally, he had just watched them last week and he was yeah. all about well, I think it. maybe yeah. I had that with maybe Texas because I had no idea that just, you know. Yeah, they flopped too. Yeah, Ugh. I had Texas winning games too. Man, that was a pretty highly ranked team all year. Yeah. And yeah. isn't that where uh, Shaka Shock. Smart coaches? Yes, and apparently yeah, like, man, this, like, he finally had the team he wanted there. And I was like, oh, they're going to make a run. Yeah. Uh, no. uh. Well, Bama's smoking Maryland. That's not I actually have USC beating Kansas, so so far I'm looking good on that one. Oh, fuck Kansas.
Yeah, you, you, but you have oh, to have, I, that's why I picked you have Michigan. to have USC winning that game, right? Jackie? I do, yes, because I hate Kansas. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so you have that too? So you have USC over Kansas? Yeah, my guess is Kansas will go to the national champion. Anyway, I bet Kansas, they always either overachieve or underachieve. So I don't know. Well, I, don't with, with I don't think they're winning. Minutes tonight. left in the first half, Kansas has 12 points. Yeah. <laughs> that's not yeah, USC great. looks good. 23 to 12. All those Pac 10 teams look good. They're undefeated, aren't yeah. they? Yeah, I think like eight or East nine. East Coast bias, man. That's East right. East Coast bias in yeah. sports reporting. <clears throat> yeah, either the Big Ten was truly, truly just flat, or they were the most overrated conference ever. Uh, it's probably a little bit of both, man. It's this is a really weird way to figure out like a champion because like one game, anything can happen, man. That's why. Yeah. The NBA doesn't do it this way, <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> you know, because like yeah. you don't want the Pelicans beating the Lakers one night just because the Lakers have an off night, and you know, all yeah, of a you've actually LeBron's seen up. these teams and have played against yeah. these guys. And, yeah. <clears throat> all right. Up to the minute. Wait for me to get up to the minute. 